You're listening to The Good GP, the podcast for busy GPs. Hello and welcome to The Good GP. I'm Sean Stevens, and today we have a very raw podcast talking about doctors' mental health and suicide. If this raises issues for you, I encourage you to look at the text associated with this podcast for support services available, but also to listen on as we're here to discuss the things that help individuals who find themselves in distress. Earlier this year, Dr John O'Morlin, a friend, colleague and former registrar of mine, took his own life. At his funeral, John's wife Caroline gave a clarion call to our profession to improve the health and support for members of our profession. Caroline is our guest today on today's podcast. Accompanying Caroline is Dr Helen Wilcox, the Medical Director of the Doctors' Health Advisory Service of Western Australia, someone who is passionate about improving doctors' health. Perhaps to you first, Caroline, can you please tell us a little bit about Jono and his journey? Jono and I got married over 20 years ago while he was still in med school and I was studying teaching. And from a very young age, he knew that he wanted to be a doctor and he had big dreams to make a difference in people's lives. He had a heart to work in the developing world And together we had a shared dream that we realised when we spent six months in Kenya and then later a year more recently with our children in Timor-Leste. We also lived and worked in Perth, in Ireland and Derby and spent the last four years here in Bridgetown, Western Australia. Jono was a very passionate GP obstetrician and anaesthetist. He would always go above and beyond for his patients and his patients loved and respected him. But he was also a very complex person, full of life, fun, passion and plans, yet living a very private struggle with depression. His public life was outgoing and full of service for his patients, colleagues and our community. But at home, we saw the fatigue, the discontent and the despair that he experienced alongside the joy and fullness of life. Jono had an incredible work ethic. He prioritised his work and his patients but not his own self-care. His attitude was very much, I'm not going to focus on myself, I'm going to focus on others and look after others. So even when he knew he wasn't doing well, he didn't take the time to look after himself. He was an amazing doctor, but he couldn't be everything to everyone. And despite helping others with their mental health, he found it hard to reach out and ask for help for himself. In the months leading up to Jono's suicide, I could see that he didn't have his work-life balance right. He was working more, delivering lots of babies, sleeping and exercising less and not having time to look after himself properly. His busyness, sleep deprivation, exhaustion and burnout were all contributing factors that led to his death. So it was earlier this year that Jono died and as soon as Jono died, I knew that I wasn't going to hide the fact that it was suicide. I wanted to see if I could make a difference by speaking out. So nothing can change for Jono or our family, but there's the opportunity to change things for other doctors and other families, particularly for the next generation of doctors. Thanks, Caroline. That's a very honest description of Jono's journey and I'm sure one that's all too familiar to partners of doctors. Helen, you've worked at the coalface of doctors' health and looked at things that do make a difference. Can you please tell us what these things are? Thanks, Sean, and thank you, Caroline, for uh, sharing that 
honest picture of Jono's and your journey and also for continuing to drive this this call to call to arms and and call to action look there's many factors that make a difference as to whether someone survives and thrives through through medicine and i think at the outset Sean it's really important to for us all to acknowledge that the responsibility for your mental health and your mental well-being doesn't solely rest with the individual far from it there's deep ingrained systemic issues that contribute to doctors poor mental health and um, have an additive effect on on suicide risk and the responsibility to resolve those belongs with our controlling bodies and our office bearers some of those factors are the kinds of things that we should be uh, addressing at the stage of entrance and selection into medicine and certainly some of those things are things that we should be shaping uh, during medical school and early postgraduate life so i think it's important at the at the outset to say that there's certain factors and actions that an individual uh, can take but it's also very important that those of uh, us who are in uh, positions of authority who have an opportunity to influence the environment and the culture in which doctors work that we see this as our responsibility also having said that <laughs> what makes a difference self insight is critically important and there are some fortunate individuals who will uh go through uh life and go through medicine having a sense at the outset of their own limits and their capacities and they will have their own laid out action plan so they prevent themselves from ever tipping into great distress for the rest of us we work those limits out by experience sometimes bitter experience whether you've worked these things out prospectively or you've learnt them um they've been lessons hard learned i think one thing as an individual we can do is know our own limits know when things are not going well identify the constellation of factors that herald a period of ill health or poor functioning and that might be lack of opportunity for sleep it might be insomnia or spite opportunity for sleep it might be a sequence of missed um occasions with your kids or your family it might be a very long period of time since you the last time you were able to uh connect in a humorous way with your colleagues it might be the fact that you are are dodging interactions with the people who normally keep you honest whether they be your colleague or your spouse or your supervisor I think the one challenge that I would I would put to to all of us as doctors is to identify when things are not going well or at risk of not going well and being able to have the opportunity to press pause on some or all aspects of our professional life and then undertake the things that reset the balance. What's your perspective on that Sean? Yeah, look I would agree. I I think you speak to doctors and some of the most stressful periods of their whole career are actually imposed externally exams if a doctor is investigated by APRA if a doctor is sued um these things you know the profession needs to be regulated we need to have exams we need to have redress but the system needs to take account of the doctor in all of this and i think the kinder we can be on ourselves um the more likely we are to avoid the worst of burnout there's also i think you know particularly for country doctors i take my hat off 
Um, the responsibilities that rest on the shoulders of doctors like Jono um, to support the community and, and uh, prop up services that are really um, struggling, I think is it takes superhuman effort. You know, I think the health services need to really look at that and find ways of making it sustainable. Absolutely. And one common uh, theme through all the perspectives and the writings that you will have seen in recent times around suicide is that there's a need to stop idolising and forgiving damaging working practices. They're not good for us. They're not good for the people around us. They're not good for our patients. There's a huge responsibility on those of us who, um, as I said before, in some position of authority to influence our working practices to adjust them so there is some flexibility, there is some capacity, there is some breathing space. That's a long game. That's not the kind of thing that can influence a doctor's distress in a short number of days or weeks or months. So I think then rather than look solely at the system, there needs to be a looking at the microsystem in which in which we work. And I'm conscious of when we put together this um, podcast, Sean and Caroline, we talked that many of the that there may only be a few of the listeners today that are themselves in great distress and have current risk factors for self-harm or suicide. But I'd say that every single doctor or medical student that are listening does have uh, colleagues who um, are or have or will be in distress. And so the one thing we can all do as listeners today is to show that kindness and that compassion when colleagues are potentially in, in difficulty and to be that person who is connected enough with our colleagues through humour in the positive times or humour in the difficult times or just getting to know our colleagues as individuals and has got the capacity to reach out to them and say, look, it's taking this one step beyond, are you okay? <laughs> taking it several steps beyond, are you okay? But saying, look, you seem to be, things aren't working well for you. And for us to be ready to take on the responsibility of calling someone very gently and kindly and compassionately to account to say, look, I can see that you're in great difficulty here and it's, you know, as a, as a colleague and as a friend, I would like to be able to you know, help you disentangle this. So I don't mean by that to say that the responsibility is on ourselves to be the treating doctor for our colleagues, not at all. The responsibility is more um, on us to be able to demonstrate the kindness and to demonstrate the compassion and demonstrate the connection and to be there for our colleagues when their self-awareness seems to be failing. Again, I don't wish that to be putting excessive responsibility on the individual colleagues or to be you know, calling out colleagues in retrospect who have not had that ability because I think we will all say, and we all know this from our patients as well as from uh, our friends and colleagues, is there is there is no one thing, there is no one intervention that can reliably bring a person back from the brink. These are all things that if we all practice them as much as possible, they will just hopefully at individual times be able to reach one person once because that's all we need to That's what, as long as we can reach one person once and alleviate their distress once, we've done a good thing. Thanks, Helen. The other thing I'm always amazed of is how few people know about the Doctors' Health Advisory Service and it really is an amazing service and it's not, you know, it's not until doctors are in absolute extremists that um, they hear about it or find out about it. Do you just want to give us a 30-second um, spiel on the role that the Doctors' Health Advisory Service plays and how our listeners can get in touch if they need to? 
Oh, absolutely. So the Doctors' Health Advisory Service of WA is counterpart to a service that exists in every state in Australia. And our role is to provide primary and, and secondary preventative health activities for doctors who are in distress. And look, we do that by uh, having an educational presence at medical student and junior doctor events. We do that at providing advocacy at system and political levels. But we, we do that by education of doctors who have a high number of doctors of patients. But to my mind, most importantly, we do that by staffing a, a 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week, every day of the year um, advice line service where if a doctor or medical student um, is able to call the DASLI number, uh, you'll be directed um, within a very short frame of time, minutes to a short number of hours, to speak to a doctor in complete confidence and if you wish with complete anonymity about whatever it is which is in distress. And I staff that line along with uh, half a dozen other GPs who have years of experience with um, managing doctors' health some of the things we uh, talk to people about is helping them navigate the healthcare system as a, as a doctor and finding a GP or psychologist or psychiatrist who can meet their needs. Sometimes we give advice on workplace issues or current stressors or interactions with employers or training practices or training organisations. Sometimes we give advice about fitness for work and re-entering the workplace after a period of ill health or a period of suspension. And there are times where we will talk to doctors who are in deep, deep distress with thoughts of suicide and self-harm. And one of the things that is very, very important to us and core to what we do is to be able to provide a discreet and very reliable service to doctors who are in acute distress. And that may be very, very rapid connection with definitive services, um, inpatient, outpatient, psychiatry care, uh, quality intensive general practice uh, level intervention, um, guidance for an advocacy with their employer. Um, if a doctor's unable to do that themselves, we don't have a set scope for what we do and what we don't offer. We let the callers help define it, uh, that to us. And we are proud to provide this service for anybody who needs it, any doctor, any medical student, any time. Thanks, Emma. Okay, so wrapping up, um, perhaps Caroline, you first. Can you give us just a few take-home messages for doctors facing burnout and mental health challenges? Uh, yes, thanks, Sean. I would like to encourage doctors to consciously look after yourselves. So that means being self-aware, understanding where you're at and how you are choosing to practice self-care and considering your own professional and personal boundaries and limits. I think that Jono felt that he had a responsibility to his community and to his patients and so often prioritised their needs above his own that he didn't put in place good personal boundaries himself. Provide support so you can check that you're maintaining your professional and ethical boundaries and that you're focusing on self-care. So it could be something that is something casual, but this is something that I would like to see that happens across the board it might only be a few times a year, but just something so that there's some accountability there. I'd like to say I wish that Jono had um, listened to me a little bit more, so I'd like to encourage everyone to listen to your partner or your family if they can see that things are not going okay and that you need to slow down, that you need to stop and take care of yourself. And um, I'd like to encourage doctors to have their own GP so they've got that regular person that they're checking in with that someone else who's looking after them and their mental health. 
I think the last thing I'd like to see and I think was a big factor for Jono was that he was on call for obstetrics 24-7 here in Bridgetown and that placed a huge burden on him. He It affected his sleep, obviously, but it meant that he didn't have that downtime and so I would like to see some limits placed on on call for doctors as well. So, yeah, they're some of the things that I have identified that were factors leading up to Jono's suicide and if we can see some changes in these areas, I think it can make a difference for other doctors and other families. Mm, I think you're absolutely right and I think that's it, that advice to trust the people around you who often can see what's going on better than you can. I mean, all of that excellent advice. Helen, your take-home messages. Uh, thanks, Sean. And I'd, I'd echo Caroline there, having that self-insight and making a commitment to yourself to acknowledge your own limits and to identify when you are approaching your limits. And if you find that difficult or there's personal factors or um, inherent attributes in doctors that can make that really difficult, um, whether it be perfectionism or an unrivaled work ethic, at least um, make a commitment to yourself to listen to those who love you and those who can recognise the things in ourselves that perhaps we are putting to one side in order to practice medicine. I think a, another take-home message would be around continuing to practice and model and receive kindness and compassion and connection to our colleagues. I think there's uh, more of a awareness uh, these days in more senior positions to model some vulnerability, model imperfection, to help you know break down the perception that uh, doctors are, are infallible and indefatigable. And I think if we're able to accept that in ourselves and accept that uh, in our colleagues, I think that sends a really powerful, important message to each other and especially to the generation that's uh, coming through the ranks and will be our colleagues of the future. Excellent. Thank you, Helen. Look, thank you to both of you for your courage to speak out on this important issue. And please keep up your difficult and courageous work. Thank you and we'll speak again. 